be people smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Please be advised that due to the subject matter we are discussing on this podcast today, you may hear words that you may find offensive. Hello everyone and welcome to today's podcast. Uh, We recently did a podcast called Neurodiverse Not Neurodiverse-ish and continuing with that theme, this is effectively round two. So last time we talked primarily about Down syndrome and today we're going to be talking about Tourette's syndrome. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. It's not something I know an awful lot about, so it's going to be a fantastic learning for me and hopefully for you all too. So my name is Jodie Greer. I am the founder of Be People Smart. And most importantly, I'm really pleased to be able to share with you that we're joined today by Paul. So, Paul, can I just get you to do an introduction, please? Yeah. Hi, Jodie. Thanks for having me. My name's Paul Stevenson. I'm uh how old am I now yeah 58 unfortunately uh married with five children and hey <coughs> and I was diagnosed as we are late diagnosis at age 46 of Tourette's syndrome plus uh which is uh, my co-occurring conditions which is ADHD OCD <coughs> sensory processing <coughs> and other spectrum issues and as you can hear I've got vocal tics uh <coughs> And I'd uh, ever since being diagnosed, I've made it my, my well, it's been my ambition, my passion to raise more awareness of uh, neurodiverse conditions and helping people with being like being an adult living with Tourette's syndrome. I feel I can articulate to other people what it's like to live with this condition. So I think that's why I'm here. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for being so responsive when I asked you to take part. It's been really helpful. Um, Before we go into it, actually, I just want to say we're talking about obviously being neurodiverse and not neurodiverse-ish. You're such a brilliant um, person to be talking to for this, because like you've just said, people don't fit in a box. You know, you yourself have got multiple conditions. And I think that's really important because often people like to try and slot human beings into columns and we just don't fit in them. No, very true. I found I found that when I was getting a diagnosis and the questions that were being asked uh, made me think these questions aren't designed for adults. They're designed for ch- children. Uh, for instance, when they asked me for proof of history of when I was at school, uh, they said, is it possible to uh, call one of your teachers? And I'm like, hmm. They're probably all dead now. <laughs> I turned around and said to the guy, I said, is this is this designed for adults, this question? And he said, well, it's, you know, no, <laughs> it isn't. So, yeah, you can't. You, I've lived all my life a very chaotic lifestyle. Uh, obviously, I've had these conditions all my life and never known about them. And it wasn't until the, t- the ticks, the vocals and the motors exploded that I realised that, that I was different in some sort of way. Thank you. All this sharing is really good for us. So first thing I'd like to do, actually, is there will be people, of course, listening who don't understand what Tourette's syndrome is or don't believe they've come across it. So can you just tell us a bit about Tourette's and how it manifests? Yeah, it's a neurological condition and it's genetic. Uh, It can be passed on. You can't catch Tourette's. Uh, So uh, that's reassuring for people. Hey, 
people often misled uh, by the media portrayal of Tourette syndrome that it's the, the sweary condition, the comedic condition, uh, when really uh, not necessarily a small percentage, but a smaller percentage of people have coprolalia, which is what I have, <coughs> uh, which is involuntary, <coughs> inappropriate words. Uh, but Tourette's can manifest itself uh, in motor tics and vocal tics, ranging from simple motor tics by blinking, sniffing, uh, to severe complex motor tics, actual doing actions with your arms, gesturing with your arms, uh, severe neck jerks, and uh, also leg drop tics, which people don't realise that, you know, that you can get. And same same ways with the vocal from anywhere like uh, whistling or anything to complex uh, sentences or words. So it's a much misunderstood condition. <clears throat> hey, and usually <clears throat> a lot of people with Tourette's it's, don't have it as a standalone condition. There's other other ones, co-occurring conditions that come with it. As I said, when I introduced myself, mine's hey, ADHD, OCD and sensory processing. So. No, that's that's really interesting, and I think that gives a lot more context. Yeah. So I really. I've just forgot there, Jordi. Sorry for interrupting. And another misconception is that it's a rare condition, which it's not. Uh, You know, the occurrence is like one in one hundred. You know, in school children and maybe three hundred thousand young people and adults in the UK living with Tourette syndrome now. That number is actually really significant and it might surprise a lot of people because, as I say, I think you'll probably find a lot of people who don't believe they've come across somebody um, with Tourette's. So I, I want to talk about um, work environment. But before I do that, I'd actually start like to start a little bit earlier. And I know you obviously got your diagnosis late, um, but I want to ask about education and a bit about your personal experience getting through school. And you said, obviously, you've got children. Um, so how do you kind of see the education system for someone with Tourette's syndrome? Uh, the setup now is a lot, lot better than what it used to be. I mean, I don't think I would have got a diagnosis as a youngster because uh, there, there wasn't that much known uh, with people. Uh, I personally know that I do have tics. I've had Tourette's all my life. And when these tics happened, these vocals, I had a tendency to disguise them. Uh, so, for instance, I had a neck tick where I threw my head back uh, back in the days when I used to have hair. <laughs> and I used to just comb my hair back when I did it. Uh, and one where I touched my nose and people said, why do you keep touching your nose? And I'd say, it's, it's, it's just itchy. And, you know, raising my eyebrows at people and gulping. There were lots of different things, saying things at the wrong time and getting myself into trouble. Uh, see, without a diagnosis of a condition, uh, people like people argue that the negative it's a negative thing to get a diagnosis, but it's not. It's a it's an understanding and mitigation, and a way of us as individuals understanding ourselves. Instead of that, I picked up a lot of negative labels from school, which stuck with me for, for the majority of my life. Uh, so it was good for nothing, lazy, easily distracted, uh, class class fool, you know. Uh, evil loads of little things like that were ignoring what my attainment levels were in school and just saying what my be how my my behavior or my condition manifested itself as behavior uh 
So, for instance, one of my reports says, do not be misled by Paul's high attainment level. He does nothing but be the fool, lazy, uh, distracts other other people and overall disruptive. And that, you know, and I, I come second out of a class of 26. And yet that attainment level didn't mean anything to that teacher because, you know, the manifestation of having Tourette's and ADHD uh, was more disruptive to work. I'd like to think now that things are a lot better. I get called into schools a lot. Uh, but even now, even though people know that much about Tourette's syndrome, they don't really understand the condition. They just see the ticks. Uh, for instance, one school, they were just the, the young person was getting disciplined for having vocal ticks. And when I asked, they said, well, they're disruptive in the class. And I'm like, yeah, they are disruptive in the class. And I said, but, you know, if I bang this chair or I knock my pencil case over, that's disruptive. What What is the difference between that and a tick? And I said, the only difference is, is, you know, the origin of the noise. If it's a chair, if it's a projector whirring about, if it's a door slamming, uh, if it's a pencil case falling up the floor, I said, so what would be the difference if we just ad adopt adopted that strategy of it's a tick? Let's just ignore it and let's carry on. So, you know, Schools have improved, but there's still a lot of work that needs doing, Jordan. Yeah, I really like the example as well of obviously you kind of sounds that have been normalised and something coming from a human being um, that is very normal, of course, and um, certainly for them. But another thing I want to pick up on, actually, what you said, um, because this is the same for so many conditions, Ooh. is differentiating diagnosis from label, because... I think diagnosis is an enabler for support, for coping mechanisms and all those kind of things. Whereas labelling someone can be quite damaging depending on why and what you do with that. So it's interesting talking about the two differences because I think diagnosis can really benefit someone and it's really for their own personal benefit. But someone else labelling anybody doesn't often serve much purpose, if any. No, the, the labels I got, the negative labels, uh, stayed with me. I, I used to find that 18 months, two years, three years into a job, I would lose interest in that. And the only reason why I thought I did, I've never not worked uh, through my life. And the only reason why I thought I was losing interest was because I was lazy. And I thought, oh, I must be lazy. That's why. Uh, and, and keeping making mistakes and having a bit of a chaotic lifestyle were down to the fact that I was naughty. Well, naughty as a child, but a bad person, not a nice person. And when I did get my diagnosis, it was absolutely fantastic. And I was able to map back my life and look and understand uh, why certain things had happened and basically forgive myself and be a bit easier on myself get rid of those negative labels, but on a positive thing, try and correct or straighten up where my condi condition would have took me in a different direction. So I was responsible about it. You know, it's not going well. I was like this because I had Tourette's. It's like saying, oh, that's why I like that, because I have Tourette's. That, that's ADHD. You know, that's not me being lazy. That's me, like, just losing interest in something. So it, it were quite a big thing and a positive thing for me to get a diagnosis. Uh, because I, there was, it's all about looking into yourself, uh, 
I'm getting to understand how, how, how you both work together, the condition, the individual, or how, how it all works with you. Hey, woo, bollocks. Woo. Do you, know, do you know what I really take from that as well, though? Um, young people, as a lot of us know, can be really impressionable. So if you do label someone, they can really absorb that and they can take that forward. Like you're saying, you know, this happened in school time, but then through, you know, years of your professional um, years, if you like, yeah. you were still you'd kind of embedded that in your own mindset that yeah. that must be why you change jobs because you're lazy and not just because actually you were literally getting bored and you wanted a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and another thing is when I could hear, I could attain high things, but I couldn't maintain them. And I didn't understand why that were. I'd, I got a, a, a job as an oil rep. Uh, I managed to do some planning in a, a, fa- a factory I worked, which, which I cut time for everybody. And, there were certain sorts of things that I that I noticed that I, I was good at, uh, but then I'm, a job had come up for a <clears throat> a better position or a higher position, a more skilled position, and I wouldn't have the confidence to apply for it because I thought I'd not be able to keep, I'd not be able to maintain it. Uh, you know, I, fair enough, I've got these little things that I can do, but I'd never be able to maintain that. The pressure would get too much for me, and I'd just like basically withdraw. So. Since that, you know, since I've had my diagnosis and my positive assessment, I've I've, I've understood myself more. I've seen what uh, my I know I know what my challenges are, but I I now know what my strengths are. So that's that's fun. That's brilliant with me anyway. So that's actually a really important point, and I want to come back more to strengths just before we move on um, to talk more about the workplace. I want to ask you personally if you had a key message for teachers or students or both. What would it be? Right. Uh, I, my key message would be to ask questions, uh, to do research. Uh, I understand what a hard job teaching is. Uh, my wife works in schools and I know what pressures there are. I know what constraints there are and, and I know what the funding's like. Uh, and that learning about disabilities and, and neurodiversity isn't part of the criteria of teaching, learning to become a teacher. Uh, I wish I wish it was and I hope someday that it will be uh, but I'd just like to say that when if you meet somebody in your class that's different uh, is to look at the person not not the condition uh, do as much research as you can and be kind but, that's such a simple but such a powerful message thank you for that so right jumping back into the workplace because there's so much I'd like to cover and of course we um, haven't got a week um, and I so, can talk. Hey. <laughs> first one is, to my personal knowledge, I have never come across someone in my workplace with Tourette's syndrome. So do you think that it's a coincidence? Do you think people with Tourette's syndrome don't believe they can thrive in a corporate environment? Or do you think I just didn't notice? Uh, you just didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> And also, uh, we're good at masking, covering up. Uh, like I said, as time as, as time goes on, and more people get to know about Tourette's syndrome, and, and acceptance uh, is in place, then we we can be ourselves. Uh, but I know I spent a lot of time covering up, like I, I disguised my tics. Uh, I used to cough a lot, and I still do it now. And it's just before a vocal tic's going to come. So I, I use something called suppression. 
<clears throat> for instance, <clears throat> I'll take just give you an example then. So you've, you've probably worked along with somebody and just not been aware that they've had Tourette's syndrome uh, because the ticks are the tip of the iceberg. You know, there's a lot of torment and troubles going on inside the brain and the amount of pressure and concentration it takes having all that going on uh, and yet trying to do a job. It's a it's a really difficult task. So hey, I I, I probably would have been on myself a lot at work. I did. I kept away from people, uh, and I, I didn't know I had ticks. But people who know they have Tourette's syndrome uh, will will suppress. So I would say it's the fact that you haven't noticed. With like one in one hundred or three hundred thousand in the UK, the chances are you've met quite a lot of people with Tourette's, <laughs> but just not been aware. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. I did I did wonder that. Um, and now thinking about around recruitment and so on, um, I can imagine that, I mean, there's unconscious bias in all of us. We can't get away from that. That's a fact of life. But I can imagine that if someone's got complex tics more so, so whether they be vocal or complex uh, motor uh, tics, it could have a real impact on securing employment in a sense of you know customer facing roles maybe you know so reception type roles those kind of things so I guess my question really is again about a bit of a key message but to recruiters or line managers um because otherwise they're, they're going to miss out on this potential mm. talent if they don't see past the ticks yeah well I to be, I think it's honestly about us as individuals uh you know yourself if you've been going for a job where you, you think, where am I in this queue? You know, I'm sat in a room with about 10 other people. Uh, I've got this quality to bring to this. I've got that quality to bring to this. And I always found myself sat at the back of the line thinking, I'm not going to get this job. I'm just not, you know, uh, people are going to notice something different about me. Uh, and it were a confidence thing. So what, what I had to do, like, you know, the recruiters out there to get somebody ideal for the job. And ideally, it's the one with the skills the skills to do it uh, but it wasn't until I had a positive assessment uh, with the company I work with you now Genius Within that I saw all these skills that I had so basically the diagnosis at 46 let me know what was up with me <laughs> you know you've got Tourette's syndrome you've got ADHD and yet the positive assessment uh, with, with Genius let me know what what was right with me uh what skills i had where i would excel and the things that used to come through glimmer before but i had to believe that right and then being told that just just give me so much confidence and let me know that i could perform a role um you know forget forget the ticks i'm this guy that can do this job for you you know the ticks the ticks are, are there there's no ignoring them but there's no malice there's no intention uh, let me deal with this and I'll just show you what I can do. So that that's what the you've got to look beyond. Like I said, with the, with the teachers, you've got to look beyond the condition and look at the individual and then, you know, nurture and uh, encourage. So talking about teachers, students and um, recruitment and so on. It's making me think about working with children. So more so for I know there's a proper word for this and you can tell our listeners what it is because I always forget it. But more so with the kind of swearing ticks, as I call them. Yeah. Um, does that limit people working with children because it's deemed inappropriate? Uh, I, I, yeah, 
got, got to say it is it is going to affect certain things uh, uh and it's all about education it's all about what people know uh i have coprolalia which is the word for the swearing tick and i, I you might have heard a, a tick earlier on uh but usually they set out of context is said with no intention and like i said no malice uh if someone's never met you for the first time, they're going to be shocked and there's going to be an issue there. You know, someone's shouting uh, an F word, an expletive really loud. It's going to get people's attention and, and it's negative attention, but yet it's curiosity. Uh, but once I've found that working in around children, my, like my friend, <clears throat> we're a youth group worker and none of the kids flinch because they know this is such and such a body who has Tourette syndrome and they use sweary words. And to be truthful as with my children my children was very young you know i think youngest maybe six months old uh the oldest maybe seven when mine started and they didn't flinch and they're going to learn far more <laughs> negative swear words on the in the, the you know in the schoolyard uh that are told them with meaning and said with intent uh but once that's established i think I'm, I'm more when when children or people when I'm working like if I go into schools and the, the the children are aware the parents are aware and the teachers are aware I'm more relaxed and like I am here my ticks my ticks are still present and one might come out but it's there's, there's no reaction because you understand you know like why have you said that to me Paul oh you just swore at me there's none of that because you understand the nature of my condition so I think that once that's established but I can't imagine it's an easy road I mean we can remember Natalie on the uh, Tourette's teacher and, and her journey was unbelievable and, and where Natalie's gone is unbelievable uh, but I, I found watching that that the, it were the children that were more accepting children the young people that were more accepting than the adults in watching that documentary so there you go so a documentary for people to look up because i'm sure people yeah. are going to be really intrigued after listening to this yeah. hey i've made three <laughs> three documentaries I've made three i think so yeah yeah national geographic uh which the title now is three men with Tourette's go on holiday on holiday and then employable me and then i did one with uh, swedish tv so, I knew about the three men with threats going on holiday. I didn't know about the other two. I'm going to have to look at these yeah, up. Yeah, that's a, that is a that is a good one because it's uh, it's talking specifically about the workplace and the fact that when I had Tourette's, you know, for this period of time until I started working now, I couldn't get employment. You know, uh, a lot of that would have been down to uh, lack of understanding and also through me not having confidence. And like I say, it weren't until the positive assessment came that I realised, you know, fair enough, I am carrying this baggage, but I've also got this to bring. So, yeah. You're obviously very professional and articulate, but you do have ticks, right? Yeah. So how do you manage your ticks in a client facing environment? I make them feel comfortable. Uh and I also say, listen, if you've got any questions to ask, please ask them and never think any of your questions are going to be silly, because I find that if people don't ask questions, they make assumptions. So I'm always open. Uh, and I think you've got to be because. And, and I've, I take responsibility. I personally take responsibility for my ticks. Uh, and this started out, I've got a, I've, I've moved motor ticks, movement ticks. I kicked out once in a tick and hit my father in his leg. And I hurt his leg and I said, I'm sorry, Dad, uh, I didn't. It's a tick. And he went, well, don't worry about it. No need to apologise. It's a tick. I went, but Dad, it hurt you. So I'm sorry that it hurt you. And and 
I say with the vocal tics that I, I called my wife a whore, pardon the terminology, and I kept repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And it was a tick. It wasn't said with any meaning. But after a while, I'm thinking, this is going to great. This is going to, you know, it's not going to make her feel good. So I apologised. And she said, I know you don't mean it. I said, but I want you to know that I don't mean it. So I've, I'm responsible in that way. I'm not apologising for having Tourette's or for having tics. But if they affect somebody or shock somebody... <laughs> I'll give you an illustration. Stood in a chip shop and sometimes I just forget that I've got Tourette's and I stood in this chip shop and there was a little old lady stood next to me and I just shouted. At, I, I think it was a swear word I shouted and it frightened the life out of her. She like she left the ground by about two foot and I'm like, she's looking at me in fear. I'm going, oh, I'm really sorry, love. I'm really sorry. I went, I've got Tourette's syndrome and I just and I shouted a word and she went, Phew. that it were a relief finding out it would take nothing more sinister. So, yeah, it's it's not apologising for having the condition. It's just acknowledging that how it might affect people or, you know, shock people. So it's being responsible that way. I like that, though, as well, because I think it's important for people to have empathy with others, especially when, you know, you see someone as different to you. But the fact that you've then got empathy with everyone around you um it just it's I don't know I want to think of it as more harmonious it kind of just creates a nicer environment um well all of this stuff I mean yeah to be honest I I need to do more reading up as well I'm really intrigued you know to find out so much more and I've done a bit since you and I first spoke um but if there's someone with Tourette's syndrome listening to you now who thinks that, you know, their Tourette's is going to hold them back from achieving their potential, from, you know, getting the career they want or achieving their goals. Is there any sort of, I don't know, inspirational quote, any kind of message you'd really like to give to them? Uh, There's nothing inspirational. Uh, This made me just think of another point about Tourette's syndrome is that you most of the time it's not a standalone condition so you know autism uh adhd or cd uh and a mixture of those makes us individual so you've met one person with Tourette syndrome you've met one person with Tourette syndrome now i've got friends who are wheelchair users and the the ticks and the co-occurring conditions manifest themselves in different ways so there's a different set of challenges uh so i couldn't really say anything that would get everybody in that on an individual basis what i personally have done i've embraced the situation and not embrace as give it a love and go oh i love you Tourette's, you're fantastic but embraced in the fact that hey woo, that i've got this condition it's a lifelong condition now what am i going to do you know am i am i going to hate it which for a, a good few years i did hate it and ticks are exacerbated by stress and anxiety and I, the condition just got worse and worse and worse now i don't hate it i don't love when my shoulders and my knees dislocate it's painful and it holds me back i've got to wear leg braces but that's how it is you know what do i do do i let it stop me uh so i don't i just i want to i want to do something positive with what's come along with the condition the the you know, the uh, I'm a visual thinker. I've got a thing with numbers and sets. Uh, I love talking to people. I love I, I, I can communicate. <coughs> uh, the ticks do get in the way of that communication. But, hey, you know, that that's just a fact. Hey, woo, woo, woo. Jesus gave me this illness. He didn't. 
I want to go back to the strengths in a sec, but actually, one thing you just said that I really didn't know is that ticks can be so severe they call f- cause physical pain. Yeah. yeah. That's news. Well, I didn't realise that. Well, I I wear I've, I wear prescription glasses, but I break every single pair of prescription glasses I've got because I punch myself in my face. Boom, there we go. Thanks for illustrating that. Hey, uh, my my joints give way uh, and my, I throw my arms in the air that hard that they'll come out of, uh, they'll dislocate. Uh, so there's a, something else that a lot of people don't realise is secondary disability uh, because of a neurological condition. Lots of us have it. Repetitive eye uh, movement injuries, eye rolling back, weakening the muscles in the eye throwing your neck back, trapping nerves in your neck, in your back as well. There's lots and lots of things, you know, it's it's quite, a, it's what people don't see because like when my legs are giving way, I can't, I can't go out, you know, I'll just drop to the floor uh, and I could be in pain for a week, two weeks until I've recovered from whatever damage has been caused. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of different things. Uh, Tourette's action is a good source of information. Uh, because they have a, a list of ticks and they also have what causes Tourette's syndrome. Uh, so if anybody wants to do any research, uh, you know, like I said, Tourette's Action, uh, if you live in Scotland, Tourette's Scotland, and also Tourette's Yorkshire. There are three organisations that are always pleased to help and educate. Thank you. That's tech we did shortly, by the way. Sorry. <laughs> now a tick that's ten pound they owe me each <laughs> for a mention. Did well. Well, I do actually think though that it's fantastic that you've shared that with everyone because a lot of us you've got Google or Google, right? And Google's yeah. a really big place, so that is really good. But that's exactly what was going through my mind when you first mentioned about the physical pain element. I was thinking, oh, so you can literally create other disabilities through having ticks. And I was like, wow, this literally didn't enter my mind. No. So no. I'm learning so much. Yeah. Um, on a positive side, there's something else I want to ask you. So I know we're all talking about, you know, the multitude of neurodiverse conditions. Um, but typically, and of course it is typical, um, but we talk about people with dyslexia tend to be more creative. We talk about people with Asperger syndrome tend to be very analytical. Is there something um, when people have Tourette's syndrome, typically like strengths that tend to come alongside it? I, I know lots and lots of people with absolutely fantastic uh, abilities with music, creativity, uh, any sort of creativity, whatever it might be, you know, it might be playing an instrument, might be singing, uh, might be poetry, uh, creative writing. Uh, I've got a friend who's a highly qualified chef and, you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's an array of qualities out there and skills that people have and they have a tendency to be like to excel at these things, you know, rather than just uh, they get really into it in a big, big sort of way. I mean, mine's, mine, mine's photography and visual thinking. Uh, and I used to paint when I was younger, but I got kicked out of art in the third year. And I spent the last two years at school in remedial class, what they called remedial class. Uh, and, you know, any any sort of spark that I might have had back then were quashed 
but I always like to paint and I could I paint sceneries. At one point I was selling some artwork. Uh, I've got another condition, uh, neurological condition called uh, essential tremors. And as I've got older, that's got worse and I'm, I'm no longer able to paint. But I, I, I started doing photography and I had loads and loads of success doing photography. And now I'm doing that as part of my job, uh, a genius within on social media. Hey, so that's working on a strength and also uh, a passion with a yep. passion. I think I think that's brilliant. And part of the reason I'm always really keen to try and make sure we get the message out there yeah. is obviously benefit for individuals, but benefit for the masses, because there's lots and lots of outlets for creativity. But actually, from an employer perspective, yeah. there's a massive value in creative thinking. And if you haven't got that in your teams, then you're literally missing out. Yeah, there's a there's an unbelievably untapped source out there uh, of, of creativity. Uh, people that do think outside the box think differently. Uh, you know, problem solvers. And I always think, I, I used to think, why do people do things that are so complicated? When really, if we do it this way, we can save time, save money. And that's how I ended up replanning out a warehouse that they just spent thousands and thousands getting a professional into design. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is like the man I was here is unbelievable. Uh, so I just did a simple rethink it and that were it done. And it's, I thought, wow, if I'd have had, if I'd have had the positive assessment when I was younger, you know, work, work could I have gone. I mean, I'm happy as I am, but to, to, to find my passion and my niche, age nearly 60 is a bit of a, <laughs> I would have been loved love to do it a lot earlier, but hey, ho, hey. But you've, you're uh, still having fun. Yeah. So before we close out, there's something I want to make sure that you get a chance to mention, because I know you've got your petition in the UK currently running. So um, do you want to share a bit about what you're trying to achieve and how people can help? Right. Uh, yeah, anybody listening, uh, the, the occurrence of Tourette's syndrome isn't that far behind autism, uh, but yet the funding is absolutely poor, really poor. Uh, there's people, the pathways from getting senior doctor to senior consultant to getting a diagnosis uh, just aren't there in certain parts of the UK. Uh, so part of our Tourette's family, we call ourselves a Tourette's family, our community, uh, a, a lovely lady. Uh, called Emma McNally has put a petition together to get more funding. We've done pretty well. There's had lots of people signing, but we've got maybe, I think it's the middle of August when it goes out and we need more signatures. And this isn't just asking for a freebie. It's not asking people to give money. It's money that should be there for people with disabilities, uh, for young people and adults that would make such a massive difference in the life. So if hopefully, I think, is it going to be in the link? Uh, there'll be a link to this. If you can follow the link to the petition, if you could please sign that and share it with as many people as you can. Sounding like Bob Geldof here. Hey, Ruth. Hey, bollocks. Oops, sorry. Ruth. Hey, uh, please sign. Uh, would really appreciate it. And, you, and it would make a massive big difference as well, which is really important. Thank you very much. God bless you. Ruth. Hey. Thank you so much, Paul. Absolutely. The link to the um, petition will be in the promotional materials. But I just want to say thank you so much to you for being so yeah. open, for being very, very present today. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I've just learned so much in like the last 40 or so minutes. 
And there's so much more that I now want to know, but you've kind of raised that more in me, to be fair. And so hopefully that's the same for a lot of people. You've also given us some channels of where to go, which will also be shared in the materials to make sure that people don't uh, mislay that. And yeah, I just want to say again, just a massive thank you for making this such a pleasurable discussion, but also something that's really going to help people really raise awareness about Tourette's syndrome. Thank you very much for inviting me, Geordie. Really appreciate it. Hey, well, bye, everybody. Hey. Take care. <laughs> thank you for listening to this podcast, and we really hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please do get in touch. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on the other wonderful guest speakers we have lined up.